1: to. You want to talk to someone, but not just anyone. Alma is there to help you find the right fit. Visit HelloAlma.com Therapy30 to schedule a free consultation today. That's HelloAlma.com Therapy30.
2: Game time with Boomer Esiason. This week's guest is the second fastest major leaguer to reach 100 home runs. Back-to-back home run derby champion, Pete Alonzo.
3: Now, we're going yard today, folks. My special guest led the major leagues with 53 home runs two years ago en route to becoming the National League Rookie of the Year. He is also now the defending two-time home run derby champion. As a lifelong Mets fan, it is a thrill of mine to introduce the polar bear, first baseman Pete Alonzo from the Mets. Pete, welcome to game time.
4: Thank you. Appreciate uh, having me on. Let's have some fun.
3: Let's have some fun. All right. So I have to say you have been one of the most positive people I think I've ever seen in my life wear a Mets uniform.
4: Thank you. I I appreciate that. And um, it's for me, the positivity it comes from me being around these guys every single day. I mean, I love every single, uh, every single one of my teammates in there and to be able to see how they go about their business, how hard they work and, uh, how diligent uh, they they go about their day. It's it's really special.
3: You know, last year was a wild season, especially with what Major League Baseball has done in the middle of the year by taking the spider tack out of the game. Now, interestingly enough, you said at that time when everybody was talking about it, you're saying, "Look, I want the pitchers to be able to control the baseball. I don't yeah. want anybody having a slippery baseball in their hand." So. I didn't know how to take that from you. I didn't know whether you were saying it was okay for spider Tack to be in the game or you wanted it out of the game, but it's okay for them to use some foreign substance to be able to hold onto the ball and grip it.
4: Yeah, I think a, uh, a chemically created substance, there's, there's no place for it. Um, hitters, we have pine tar, rosin, spray, pretty much anything. And also as a hitter, I, I wear batting gloves and um, from time to time I tape my bat. So I have um, an incredible advantage with, uh, grip, because if, let's say if I was, um, swinging a bat that I didn't have enough grip on, if I let it go and it goes in the stands, that could really hurt somebody. Same thing for the baseball. And for me, I, it's really important that guys really know where, where the ball's going. I've been hit a lot this year. I've been, uh, I've been hit in the head. Thankfully I wear, um, I wear the, I wear the chin guard, but if I wasn't wearing that, I'd be, I'd be eating out of a straw. So, there's certain things where I just think that there's um, safety. Safe, there could be a possible safety issue, as especially we get into the summer, the hotter months. And uh, I mean, it's it's tough to throw. Um, it's tough to throw or hit when uh, when you're when you're extremely sweaty and can't can't grip the can't grip the ball.
3: You know, here's one of the reasons why media people like me love you, Pete, because you're honest with your assessment of a lot of things that are going on in baseball. And one of the things that you said earlier in the year, I don't remember if you remember saying this, but you were wondering whether or not baseball was manipulating the balls themselves. So if there were a group of free agents that were going to be hitters coming up, maybe they would deal with the baseballs and not make them quite fly as far. And then if there were pitchers that were coming up and it was a big free agent class of pitchers, maybe they would juice up the baseballs. You still feel that way?
4: yeah i think that there's potential i mean granted like that's just i mean for me i i i use the ball i touch and feel the balls every day and granted like um there is for the baseballs there is a, a bunch of natural products like yeah it's leather i mean it's very inconsistent and in the and all these baseballs are are hand wound hand spun granted there's going to be inconsistencies but i feel like this year um the amount of inconsistencies uh, at the beginning of the year were um, It was pretty drastic in each individual ball, but I feel like as the year has, has kind of gone on, I feel like that the, mm-hmm. that the consistency of, of the balls, because uh, I, I hit throw with them every single day, and I feel like for me the consistency has been there um, as the season gone on, but at the beginning of the year I just don't think that the balls are as consistent as, as they have been in the
3: past. You would know about the balls better than I would, that's for sure. We're just getting warmed up with Pete Alonzo from the New York Mets. Stay with us as game time continues right after this. Pete, you're a fun-loving guy. Where did this home run horse come from?
4: Oh, that came from our hitting coach, uh, called the ball So I, I don't know how it came about, it just showed up one day. Um, but that's that's all that's all our hitting coach. Yeah, that's that's all his idea.
0: watching Game Time with
2: Boomer Esiason.
3: Welcome back to Game Time. Pete Alonso says that growing up, I was super spoiled because the Yankee Spring training was 10 minutes from my house. The Tampa Bay Rays were 35 minutes away, and there was a huge baseball culture in Tampa. And growing up in Tampa, who did you root for, Pete?
4: I just appreciated uh, the game of baseball. I, I, any If I wasn't playing it, I was watching it on TV. And, um, I mean, I was really lucky. It's not just having the Rays and, and the Yankees. I mean, if you look at how many spring training complexes are within 45 minutes, it's just absolutely crazy. You have, uh, I mean, you have the Blue Jays, the Phillies, the, the Tigers, and uh, the Pirates all within um, a really close proximity. Plus, having the Rays, um uh, I mean, there's just so many avenues for me to watch the game, and also like in the late '90s, early 2000s, when when I was growing up, there was some absolutely gargantuan, iconic figures in the game of baseball. You have guys like Mike Piazza, Mark McGuire, Ken Griffey Jr., uh, Barry Bonds, uh, Sammy Sosa. Uh, just so I can just go on and on about uh, how many just iconic players in that in that time in that time frame really inspired me, uh, not just to play the game of baseball, but to really um, attack it head on. And there's a lot of um, idols in in that Tampa area. You have Gary Sheffield, Luis Gonzalez, um, uh, Tina Martinez, just to name a few Tampa guys, Wade Boggs. Uh, I know he's older. Um, I was too young to watch him play, but just being in that hotbed of, uh, of Tampa Baseball, it's really a unique um, a unique town, a unique aspect. And everybody that grows up in Tampa, I feel like at some point picks up a ball and a bat and a glove. and its just I was just really lucky to be able to have um, such a great um, experience growing up in a, in a place where uh, a career could fruition. And it's not just for me, but so many other, so many other examples were around me.
3: Yeah, so don't forget about Tom Tom Brady and Stephen Stamkos. You know uh, they won some championships down there too. Are you yes. a Lightning and a Buccaneer fan as well?
4: Oh, fire the cannons! Fire the cannons! I, I mean, <laughs> I used to grow up. I used to grow up uh, going to Bucks games, watching the Johnson and Johnson show, seeing Warren Sapp, um, Derek Brooks, and um, and, uh, and John Lynch. I mean, there's so many guys that I just, and of course, number forty, Mike Allstott, I mean. Uh, those, those early 2000 uh, Bucks teams were really special, especially when um, Tony Dungy and Gruden, uh, when that group of, uh, of people were there. It was just really special because uh, I would go with my dad all the time um, growing up. And it was uh, I, Ray J has always been really special to me. And I was actually there at the game uh, when they took it home this year. So I, it was just kind of full circle and just really special for me because I, I grew up going to games there and it was really fun.
3: You know, quickly. I we had Mike Piazza on our show recently, and you mentioned him in the iconic figures that were playing the game when you were growing up. Why was he your guy? So,
4: before anything, I, I was a catcher, and I, I love to hit. And uh, for me, he's one of the best hitting catchers uh, of all time, or he's the best hitting catcher of all time. So, uh, it was really easy for me to uh, to kind of have him as one of my iconic favorites. And then same thing with. Mark McGuire. I feel like both those guys. Um, there's some pretty similar aspects to my game and, and my swing. I, I really looked up to those two guys, um, especially as a especially as a young kid. That's that's just starting to really not just love the game, but really live it.
3: And despite, you know, being this great player in high school and having all these great statistics, a lot of people didn't think, or there were some doubters, that you weren't going to be very good at Florida. You went there as a third baseman, and then you got moved over to first base at Florida. Now, I used to work with a guy on a radio show who said anybody could play first base. You know, we could stick anybody over there to play first base, but I think uh, you have a little different perspective on playing first base and the difficulties that it was going from third base to first base, and what are those?
4: Yeah, so uh, third base, uh, college, I, I moved because uh, there was a there was a need. Um, we had uh, we had a guy graduate, and uh, for me, I I had to dedicate a lot of time and effort because it's not just a different perspective um, on the ball, Diamond, where the ball's coming off the bat. You have uh, a lot of responsibilities with cutoffs. Then you have plays involving the pitcher. You have to involve be involved with the catcher, second baseman. I, I think, and also, if – someone makes a bad throw it's on you to be able to to back them up and and pick it out of the dirt or, or make a uh, or come off the bag and jump and, and try and make a play to 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 save your guy out there in the field and, and try and make a good play to to help the team out so for me i think that uh being a first baseman there's a it's it's underappreciated um i And I think that fielding the ground ball, that's the that's the least of your worries. You always have to be thinking about the games, the running game, the guys picking off. You have to there's a little gamesmanship uh, with when guys are on first trying to mess with their leads, kind of lull them to sleep a little bit if you can kind of talk to them. So I think being a first baseman is I don't know why it's underappreciated. I just think that people have. people that say that i don't think they've ever been in that position before i don't think they've ever played so it's it's not their fault for not understanding
3: <laughs> you know what i'm not one of those people that underappreciate it i do appreciate it and i appreciate your honesty all right we'll return with pete Alonzo right after these messages
2: brought to you by the ford bronco sport built ford top. It's time for a change. Instead of working from home, work from your luxury suite at Midtown Manhattan's Crown Jewel, the Kimberley Hotel. Now offering special monthly rates with the most impeccable safety and hygiene protocols to keep you safe.
0: Welcome back to Game
2: Time with Boomer Esiason.
3: Pete Alonso claims that according to his mother, the first word he ever uttered was "ball." Pete also recalls that when his preschool teacher asked students what they wanted to be when they grow up, he replied, I want to be a baseball player and an astronaut. Alonzo added, I failed calculus my freshman year of college. So I'm a baseball player. Uh, yeah, you did fail. But in 2019, look, you took the major leagues by storm. You broke Aaron judge's record for homers by a rookie with 53. You know, when you were named Rookie of the Year for the New York Mets a couple years back, what was that like when you got the, the call and the award?
4: I mean, it was just um, it was an incredibly proud moment. But I think the, the really special thing about it is all the, the hard work that that I did and the sacrifices, not just me, but so many members of, of my family have made. It's like all the stuff in the shadows um, and all the hard work over time, it it paid off. I mean, all that time and all that effort and all the, uh, the highs and lows and and hard work and sacrifice, that was just a really sweet moment. And, and every time, every moment past that, every time I step, um, step up, uh, up the stairs and, uh, take my position at first base or step in the box, it's just, I'm just so grateful and appreciative of, of people making those sacrifices. And granted, like I had, uh, uh, perform and work hard to get there as well, but there's so many so many people in my life that have helped me to get where I'm at, and it's it's just really special.
3: Do you think it's easy to hit, like say, 50 dingers every year after a year like that?
4: Um, no, because uh, to be honest, pitchers kind of pick up on what I'm what I'm trying to do or what I'm doing, and the more time I've spent in the uh, I've spent here in the big leagues, it's it's been uh, everybody. I, I feel like that pitchers are trying to adjust constantly. And for me, it's uh, trying to stay within my zone and, and have that same type of uh, same same type of uh, production or have that same type of aura in the box. And for me, I think that um, consistency is one of the most difficult things in sports, and especially in a game of failure, baseball.
3: I know twenty twenty was a rough year, but Tom Seaver had just passed away, and I don't know if you know this. I have a. A statue of Tom Seaver behind me. He was one of my childhood heroes, growing up. And of course, his season in 1969, when we won the World Championship and beat the Baltimore Orioles, was a memory that will last with me a lifetime. And right after Tom had died last August, you hit a walk-off home run off of the Yankees. What is it like hitting a walk-off home run off off over against the Yankees?
4: I mean, it was um, it was really. Really special day. I mean, I I had a really tough day to play those first four at bats, but that last AB in the extra inning was I don't know, it was kind of crazy. I felt like there was someone with me in the box and I just felt calm, cool and relaxed and I was able to I was able to do my job. So it's just uh, I know people weren't able to to be there for that day. And uh, for for us, uh, for us players, we know how much uh, the franchise meant to everybody, not just not just people here with the new york mets but uh the game of baseball and i know that it was a it was a really special moment for me to be able to honor him in the best possible way by getting a victory
3: yeah it was absolutely awesome all right we'll be back in a moment for more with peter Alonso.
0: It's game time with Boomer Esiason.
3: Welcome back everyone. Pete Alonso has a larger than life persona that matches his prodigious long ball hitting prowess on the best power hitter on the planet. He proclaimed after winning his second straight home run derby, the polar bear added being able to showcase that and put on a fun display for the fans is truly a dream come true for me. So how does it feel when you hit a home run and put on a show like you did this year at the all-star game?
4: Oh, it was, it was so fun. And I honestly, I didn't matter who I faced. I just, felt deep in my heart that I was
3: going to win. Yeah, well, you won, boy. I'll tell you what. Now, are you looking to 3 Pete in Los Angeles next July?
4: Um, yeah, if, if they want to have me back, I, if I get the invite, I, I'd love to attend.
3: <laughs> so what is your philosophy of, of hitting? Is, is it as simple as see ball, hit the ball, or is there more str- strategy that goes into it?
4: I mean, there's a, there's a ton of uh, strategy. I want to be able to understand how each pitcher attacks each hitter, uh, for me specifically, I want to understand how uh, a guy attacks a, like a similar hitter to me. So I, I do a lot of video research. I ask a lot of questions uh, to teammates if they've played with them or faced uh, pitchers. So I, I do the best I can to, to have my, uh, do my homework, so to speak, and to be able to have a, a great attack plan and, and get a ball in my damage area.
3: You know, it's amazing. Uh, You do rely on analytics. Obviously, I had John Means on the pitcher from the Orioles and he said analytics actually work in favor of the pitcher as opposed to the hitter because the pitcher knows what he's throwing. the hitter is guessing. I had never heard a pitcher actually say that. And it really made sense to me. Does that make sense to you?
4: It makes complete sense. I mean, for me, I think pitchers are always going to have uh, the advantage till the end of time. Uh, that's, just, that's just the game of baseball. But for me, I think analytics um, can be, especially with uh, all the numbers and data that we have now, I think that it can be used for the advantage of both, of both sides. But for me, I always have to be ready for a fastball in my zone. So uh, I love the amount of, uh, of video that's available. I love the amount of uh, numbers, hot maps, or heat maps uh, certain zones or pitches or counts and percentages. I mean, they got a, They got a stat for everything now, which is a good thing. But uh, when you're preparing, but when it comes down to um, actual gameplay, if, as soon as I start thinking numbers or stats or analytics, I mean, the ball's in the mitt and it's strike one. So you still have to be. You still got to be locked in, ready to ready to go when you get your pitch.
3: Good point. All right, we'll be back with the um, last licks with the great Pete Alonso right after this.
2: Drive into Manhattan for an unforgettable staycation at Midtown Manhattan's luxurious Kimberly Hotel. Treat yourself to New York City without the crowds, protected by our highest safety and hygiene protocols to keep your family safe.
0: You're watching Game Time with
3: Boomer Esiason. Welcome back to Game Time, everyone. We're joined by Pete Alonzo. and Pete, you're a fun-loving guy. Where did this home run horse come from?
4: Oh, that came from our hitting coach. Uh, he called it So I, I don't know. I don't. Know, I think that was. I don't know how it came about. It just showed up one day. Um, but that's that's all. That's all our hitting coach. Yeah, that's that's all his idea.
3: <laughs> okay. What about the attitude coach, Donnie Stevenson? Where did he come from?
4: Oh, Donnie, uh, he's the man. He I think he came from. Uh, I think he came from. I don't know what organization he came from, but uh, pretty much his, his total philosophy in, in the box is uh, kind of <laughs> what we, we talked about. So uh, you can think about numbers. You can think about this when you prepare. But the biggest thing, uh, as soon as you step foot in the box, you got to compete. You got uh, to grit your teeth and you can't think. You just got to go up there and and focus on, on the job at hand. So it's really a He's really awesome because he's got some pretty, uh, pretty good things to help you have a tenacious approach in the box.
3: And by the way, what's this whole thing about ripping the shirt off with the walk-off home runs and all this other stuff, and you guys carousing the way you do in the middle of the diamond? Where did that come from?
0: I don't
4: know. It just happened. Everyone's just <laughs> it's just fun, and you just it, it's just uh, when you get in that moment, it's just it's just all of us having a fun time, and whoever and whoever hits the gets the big one, it's all right. Sorry, your your jersey's coming off, and we're doing the Gatorade. We're doing throwing sunflower seeds, and we're
3: pouring bubblegum, gum, and we're doing the, we're doing the works. Uh it's awesome. So, hey, listen. By the way, uh, final thing from me: your mom pitched to you as a kid, and you know she would not only throw balls at you, water balloons, fallen grapefruits, oranges from nearby trees, everything. Which of those was the easiest to hit?
4: Well. I mean, I love the I love the water balloons because it's it's fun to hit them when they explode. But uh, anytime my dad was on a business trip, um, and yeah, my mom would would throw to me because as a young kid, I've always I've always been a cage rat. I've always been in the cage, and um, yeah, if my dad wasn't there um, on if he was out on business, and my mom obviously would be the one driving me to the games, and we would always be kind of the first one of the first people there, and I'm like. Well, why isn't everyone else here? Everyone else should be here, and it's like, well, they got they probably doing their homework or they're they're almost here. I'm like, well, it's it's getting close. Can I get some swings? And she's like, yeah, yeah. I would I would always talk like my mom or dad. They always had a bucket of balls in the in the trunk. So um, yeah, my mom was was awesome. She she's um, she's a huge re- or both of my parents um, are just really special, and I'm happy that they're to have the uh, positive impact that they've had. I'm really fortunate.
3: You know, I think, Pete, your parents did one hell of a job, man. You are a great representative of baseball, the New York Mets, and most of all, your parents. So thank you so much for joining us today. And for all of you out there watching, I'm Boomer Esiason. I'll see you again real soon right here on Game Time. What happens if you
4: complete 30% of your passes in football?
3: I get fired.
4: I mean, if, I mean, it's crazy. If you only completed 3 out of 10 <laughs> or 6 for 20 in a game, you're getting an interview pulling your hair out, right? <laughs>
2: yes. Uh,
4: but for, base, for baseball, if I... If I if I go one for three or if I only get thirty if I only succeed thirty percent of the time, it's really it's a really unique
0: thing.